Would you enjoy partaking in the ass-kicking of the young man that broke into your P.E. locker and traded all of your belongings for cigarettes? How about finally confronting the behemoth next door that keeps stealing your Burger King coupons from your mailbox? Are you a middle-aged man, far from fighting condition, whose teenage daughter is getting her black bone out by that six-foot-four Samoan quarterback at her high school and you are forced to purchase her Plan B pills? Then join your local boxing gym. We can provide you with a defense against this and so much more. Local boxing gyms. Are you in good hands? He said, I don't know how familiar you are with standing in line at the Department of Human Assistance trying to get an EBT card, but I'll ask this question anyway. What's the store? That immediately when you see it, I'm talking about immediately once you arrive at the light and you see that store, you know automatically that you're in the ghetto, even if it's somewhere that you've never been before. Now, I asked the same question on Facebook. Shout out to all the people who gave me a, a, a lot of interesting responses. I'm going to read the responses right now, actually. Uh, my my thought that came to my brain automatically was Didi's discount. All my years living in this in the lovely region of Northern California, I've never seen a DD's discount in a middle class neighborhood. I've never seen a DD's discount somewhere that was two miles further away from the Department of Human Assistance office. Now, the response that I got, I got 20 comments out there. <laughs> so let's see. Shout out to Jesse. He said, Circle K. That's a fair response. I understand that. Veronica said, Winko's Foods. Ah, Winkles is hit and miss. I feel like most Winkles that I've seen are in suburban areas. That was an L. That was a definite L. But good side. Food source. Food source. That might be a. That might be a. I don't know if it's food source or 24 hour food. It's one of them goddamn food name places. It's in uh, Oak Park, Sacramento. And it is ghetto ish. Every time I go out there, there's a homeless white man named Jesse begging me for $3 in exchange for five Chuck E. Cheese coins. Shout out to Shane who said, Winner Shitzel. Nah, that's that's a reach. Winter Schnitzel, I used to live in East Vallejo. Shout out to East Vallejo. Winter Schnitzel, our Winter Schnitzel was very nice. We didn't have any home people bothering us. Jiffy Mart, I don't know what the fuck Jiffy Mart is. Punjab, uh, she said that's in Sacramento, across the street from Florin. I have never heard of that place a day in my life, but all power to you, my girl. Viva, I don't know what that is. Pawn Shops. Pawn Shops are a good, that's a good shop, Pawn Shops. I feel like Pawn Shops are a good one. Jessica, shout out to my cousin Jessica. She said DD's discount. That was my initial thought. I said DD's discount as well. Shout out to my Auntie Sony. I love you, Auntie Sony. She said Church's Chicken. Church's Chicken, that is a good one. That is a good one. Church's Chicken. I have never seen Church's Chicken somewhere where they were riding scooters and middle aged white women walking down the street with their husbands. I've never seen every Church's Chicken I saw was somewhere where there was a Crip gang in, in the surrounding area. Uh, Kmart, somebody said the 99 cent store, and someone said Rena Center. Uh, I'm not familiar with the stage with the casual stations of Rena Center, so I don't know. But anyway, what's going on? Shout out to everybody listening to the pod. Oh, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. Hold up. We, we got it, we got it. Hold up, hold up, hold up, we got it. Hold up, we got it, we got it. What's going on? We're back again. Shout out to yourself. We had a little bit of a uh, hold up. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on, hold on, hold on. There we go. We're good now. What's going on? Shout out to everybody listening to the Bar of the Family. Shout out to everybody's Bar of the Mob. 
This is the Greatest Voice Podcast, and we are here. We are having the greatest conversation live with the Greatest Voice. How you doing? How you feeling? Now, if you hear the subtle sound of air in the background, that is because I am currently at my place of employment. I am recording this podcast in my vehicle while I'm doing a security patrol, making sure no passerbys break into these beautiful Filipino people's cars. Uh, <laughs> so it is what it is. Um, um, how you guys doing? How you feeling? What's going on? What's going on with the mob? Uh, I've been in good spirits. I've been blessed. I can't complain. Life has been good. Um, let's just get right into the topics because I feel like when I start talking about my life, I kind of drown. Um, Asian saying nigga, let's just get right into it. And I bring up this topic because I feel like this would be a very interesting conversation about the differences in different cultures. And I touched on this on YouTube earlier. Like, shot for those of you guys who follow me on YouTube, the greatest voice podcast on YouTube, you probably already saw my opinions about this. But I decided to kind of do a breakdown about this a little bit more for the people who listen to my podcast because I feel like it's very interesting. There is a very, 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 very controversial, very controversial Negro by the name of Charleston White who hails from some city in some city in Texas with the word Fort in it. I think it's Fort Worth or Fort Matters or it might be Dallas. I don't know where this nigga's from. Charleston, Mr. Charleston, that's what you know. When, when somebody got a name like Charleston, that's when you know they about to say some crazy shit. Any name, all those 1960s church boy altar names, Charleston, Harold, Bernadine, like you can tell they about to say some wild shit. I'm going to tell you, your kids are all faggots because you keep feeding them all that goddamn yogurt, gogurts. But um, Charleston White has some very aggressive opinions about Asian people, which he expressed on an episode, I think it was with Say Cheese or some, uh, not Say Cheese, some proper YouTube channel. Charleston White pretty much was like, what do I hate Asians, etc., etc." what do There were some Asians who felt strongly about his comments, took offense to it, and responded with like force and said, and I quote, nigga, come to sack, come to Stockton, nigga, we got it for you, nigga, you get your issue here, nigga, fuck you, fuck Texas, and fuck the Longhorns. And that last part, I added that just for comedic effect. And Charleston White took offense to that. The Asians that responded to him, there was one named China Mac, who's a rapper from New York. He gave his own response. But there was a particular few, particularly two or three, that are from a hood in Sacramento. Shout out to my people from Sacramento. Got a lot of family in Sacramento. And they are from a gang. And he said they're Asian Crips. They could be TRG, shout out to TRG. They could be MOD, shout out to MOD. But it might be the Asian Crips in Stockton. But they expressed their opinions and they were they really felt a certain type of way about him, about what he said. And, you know, it was like, you know, nigga, whoop, do a whoop, do a whoop. And then that guy bounced back and then was like, was saying, well, Charleston's white's initial response to them was, why do you have these Asians out there saying nigga would do a whoop? And their response to that was, well, we grew up out here. You know, we grew up around blacks. That's how we talk. This our culture. We'll do a whoop. And Charleston White has some very... Charleston White was still like, you know, y'all motherfuckers is racist. And y'all black people from California. How are you allowing these fucking gook, Chinese, orange chicken, orange chicken in the in the, in the, in the passenger seat driving motherfuckers to say nigga and et cetera, et cetera. We'll do a whoop. Just talking all wild, right? And... Even though I don't subscribe to his line of thinking, even though I kind of I feel a certain kind of way about people saying the N word, I wanted to have this conversation because I felt like it's an educational conversation for all of us, particularly those of us who live in California. 
So to reiterate what I said beforehand, when you come to California, because the bigger conversation was, should nigga, should Asian, should Mexican, should Samoans, all other races be allowed to say the word nigga as we allow them to do in Northern California? So I'll say that for most of my life, I lived in Vallejo, California. I lived a few years in Sacramento. I lived a few years in Visalia. I know Northern California pretty well. When you come to Northern California, you are liable to walk into a Jamba Juice, a Panda Express, or any random nightclub. Shout out to the, uh, shout out to the, uh, what's that, that name of that club in San Francisco? All the little kids go to, uh, is it the city, the city, city nights. If you walk into city nights, you're liable to see a groups of Filipinos, Mexicans, Cambodians, Samoans, all forms of other races outside of whites saying nigga in unison with, with, with literal, with, with quite l- proficiency quite grammatical proficiency like never an error sometimes they say it better than other niggas said it real niggas said to be honest with you and i personally grew up in that setting so i never thought there was an issue with it until i left until i moved from california and i moved down south and i saw the cultures kind of change when i was living down south and it might have changed a little bit but when i was living in alabama in the early 2000 late mid 2000s there were Latinos down there, but the energy towards Latino was a little bit more aggressive. So you didn't see Latinos walking around saying nigga. But then at the same time, you didn't see Latinos really kicking it at parties with blacks like that. And this is when I was living in Alabama. If you were in Texas or Florida, it's probably different. But when I was in Alabama, it was a little bit different. I've always equated the reason to why you will see Cambodians and Mexicans and Asians and Samoans using the N-word and saying it like that out here is because there's such a there's such a close unity of our cultures here. Our culture is kind of meshing in Northern California. Now I can't speak for Southern California because I'm not that informed. But for Northern California, I can tell you for surely, our cultures mesh out here. When you go to our house parties out here, you are going to see Asians, Filipinos, and Samoans all doing the thizzle dance just like niggas are doing it. You're gonna see them doing the thizz face like how we do it. You're gonna see them doing the schmeeze dance like how we do it. A lot of the shit that I just use examples you probably don't know about unless you were from the Bay Area. You gonna hear them if you play if you play tonight is going down. They family. I'm gonna tell you the crazy thing I learned about here. It always amazes me. Our cultures mesh so strongly out here that. You will go to Mexican family reunions and Mexican cookouts and you'll hear them playing like old school soul music and step into it on beat like R. Kelly step in the name of love or fucking uh, love come down by Evelyn Champagne. Like because that's just our culture out here. So with that being said, there are going to be some things that come with that. You're going to have people saying nigga. They don't look like niggas. Now, from Charleston White's perspective to bounce back to the, him and, you know, he's coming from Texas. I can understand how if you don't come from our world you come out of nowhere and just seeing these motherfucking Asians who dressing like black people, trying to talk like black people, using nigga like black people. I can understand how you could be like, what the fuck is going on in California? Are y'all sick? What the fuck is wrong with y'all? What are y'all doing? How y'all letting this, how y'all, how y'all OGs letting this fly? What's wrong with y'all? I can understand that because it's like, a, it's a culture shock. <clears throat> just, it was, just as it was a culture shock to me that when I moved down south, blacks, Asians, and Mexicans were not messing with each other like that. It was a, it was a different energy. Versus out here, we all love each other. We date each other. Most of the women I've talked to are Mexican. Just it is what it is. Like, <clears throat> it's just a different energy. So, I bring all that up to say, 
I think the conversation is interesting because, like, there was one point I was listening to with one of the Charleston White be saying some crazy shit. He be saying he be, he be off the rocker, but I'll, I'll never forget. It was one point one of those videos. He said, "California blacks, y'all California blacks, are not the same as us Texas blacks. Y'all California blacks are not the same as us Texas blacks, and that is true. And this is coming when I say this, I'm saying this as a man." Who has family in Texas? Shout out to all my Thomas family, my Matson family. I have family in Texas. I have family in Houston. I have family in um in um in Gardenland. I have family in Port Arthur. So I, I but it, it's true. It's a difference. It's gonna get to a point where we have to have conversations about the differences between blood making you something versus your cultural upbringing and where you grow up making you something. We a lot of the times when we talk about being black, we treat black like it's a monolith. In reality, is it's not. Like there are so many different subsets of black culture. There's so many different subsets of black culture. Whether it's the Northern California black culture, whether it's the Philadelphia Philly black culture, whether it's the Georgia Valley. Like we all have different ways of talking. We all have different slangs. We all have different words that only we or us say from certain different areas. There's a certain type of slang. There's a certain type of accent that you're only going to hear if you're having a conversation with the Negro who was born and raised in Memphis, Tennessee. There's a certain accent that you're only going to hear if you're having a conversation, having a conversation at Popeye's Chicken at the drive-through with a nigga who grew up in in New Orleans. Sometimes when you go to New Orleans, even New Orleans, there's certain different accents in New Orleans. New Orleans has like two or three different accents depending on where you go. So it's interesting. Like it's we're not a monolith. There are so many different subsets of our culture, and that's what everybody. That's what all races, not just with black people, but so. I can say from my perspective, do I feel it's offensive when other races say the N-word? I, I, when I was growing, it didn't bother me when I was growing up. As I get older, but when it bothers me is when they say it in front of people who are older. When you say it in front of somebody who's your elder, who's somebody you should be respecting, that's when I feel like, bro, you tripping now. Hey, calm down. You tripping. Like, for example, like, have some respect to the people around you. That's my thing. Like, Talk to your elders with a certain with a certain tone, a certain love, and a certain. That's my thing. But if you're talking to somebody who's younger, I don't give a damn. Because, like I said, you know that's just our culture out here. We kind of, I do feel that when you come out here, a lot of blacks and Mexicans, Asian Samoans, we do kind of feel like we're all the same thing here. Now, yeah, when we all go home, there's certain experiences that we're only gonna have based on what culture we come from. Like if you're black, there's like if you're black, you might not be familiar with going to. And I think I think I think most black people out here we've been to Kinsingettas, but if you're black, you might not be familiar with going to Kinsingettas as much as like I don't I don't know because I feel like in Northern Cal is normal. Like I've been that I've been to Kinsingettas. It's just different. Northern California is different, bro. And I think we take we take we really take for granted the the culture we've created here. Like we, this is just a very different place, bro. Like you come here, bro. Are we, we we're just unified we love each other we love on each other it's just different like i love that i love the bond that our races have here like it's a beautiful that's the only like when i go to cities like stockton despite the fact that 85 niggas get killed there every week i love the fact that there's such a close bond of unity between the cultures. that's a beautiful thing for me to kind of keep the conversation of race going i wanted to touch on this because i saw that joe biden gave the speech on uh june 1st um, commemorating talking about the Tulsa massacre that happened, the Black Wall Street massacre that happened 100 years ago, or some little bit over 100 years ago. 
um, that was you know the funny thing about that and I didn't see read his I read like maybe like two or three sentences of what he talked about but I didn't really hear his speech I really don't like listening to Biden talk but the interesting thing about that massacre the Tulsa massacre for those who are unaware Black Wall Street was a neighborhood in Tulsa, Oklahoma that was a very very well self self-sustaining middle class African American neighborhood African American sector of town what happened was, for whatever reason, there was a dispute between someone who was a resident there and a white person of the town over. And because of that dispute, I want to say it was because they thought somebody got killed or something like that. The white people of the town over took it upon themselves to firebomb and massacre and destroy that town to their heart's content. I don't have the number of people who died. I do not have the number of the body count. I know a lot of people's home. I know a lot of people's lives were destroyed. I know a lot of entrepreneurs' were, lives were destroyed. People who actually really contributed to the U.S. economy, their lives were destroyed and everything. And this was kind of like a thing that was just buried in U.S. history. What a lot of people don't know was uh, when that happened, when the Tulsa Massacre happened, that was maybe one of... The Tulsa Massacre was maybe one of maybe... God knows how many massacres... The Tulsa, the Tulsa massacre happened a year after what was called the Bloody Summer. The Bloody Summer was a phase where right after World War I happened, there were a lot of white men who came home from war and a lot of the jobs they had prior to leaving were taken, you know, by, you know, African-Americans. Because even though a lot of African-Americans did participate and serve in our world war, um, I actually found my great grandfather's World War I draft card. I don't know if to this day, I don't know if he actually was deployed, but I didn't know he was drafted. But I mean, I know he was. Um, I don't know if he deployed, but I do know he was like he did did, did the draft and shit. He was short as fuck. But anyway, with that being said, it's like a five seven. Like where my where my height come from? But I bring all this up because when um, when those white men came back from war, there were a lot of not all of them, but there was a few who felt like what the fuck our jobs that were here were taken, and I'm coming here and there's niggas working here, so they felt away. So there was a lot of violence that took place against the black men, against a lot of black neighborhoods. Like, for example, the a lot of black neighborhoods were basically just being assaulted and just being ran through by groups of racist white men. A lot of them were from our military. Now, what made the Bloody Summer so interesting was because this was one of the first times where blacks got back up and fought back against such things because there were just like there were a lot of blacks who stayed. There were a lot of blacks who went to World War One and fought. And there were a lot who, when they came back, were like, nigga, you just paid me to shoot seven, 15 ger- third Germans in the fucking face. Even to tell me I can't defend myself when you about to firebomb my mama house. Nigga, fuck you, nigga. And so it was up. I bring up that terrible time in history where I bring up that terrible time in history where literally African-American neighborhoods were just being ran through, packed through, firebombed, assaulted, people getting raped kids getting attacked because it marvels me that that can ex- that I live in a country where that happened and now I live in a pl- now if you compare if you could compare how our country was right then 100 years ago versus now we're in Northern California I can say for at least Northern California like I can walk in I we've made a lot of progress in this country you know and like I, said, I always tell people 
this is not the greatest country in the world, but we have for sure goddamn the best medium. We're not the best country, but we are the best. We're the best middle. Like we we've made a lot of progress, bro. I understand this, and I understand we have a lot of progress to make, but for the progress that we have made, undeniably, we are one of the greatest countries in the world. Like one of the greatest, one of the greatest, one of the greatest, one of the greatest. Um, my condolences to the families to the, who whose lives were lost during the Tulsa massacre. My condolences to those who are descendants of those who even who you know that's just that's just a fucked up situation, bro. You know, I think when I think of that, I think of the Paradise Valley burning. I don't know for those who don't know, it was a uh, a fire that happened in California a few years ago, and like the, like this whole city just burned down, and like the whole city had to be evacuated. And when I think about that. I think about all the people who up until that point, up until the point that that fire took place, lived their lives correctly, contributed to society, were law-abiding citizens, bill payers, did everything, only cheated on their wife maybe two, two, two to three times a year. Like, I feel like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I wonder all those people who were doing everything right and by the books and suddenly their life is destroyed. That's how I think of the Tulsa massacre. That's how I think of all those other cities that were destroyed during the during the bloody summer. And I pray for all of them. You know, I pray for all those people whose lives were ruined because you can't get that back. That affected a lot of generations of people. You know, um, <clears throat> so I don't know. Um, that was kind of a sober topic. Um, I think that's pretty much what I wanted to get to for the most part. Another thing I wanted to talk about was. Um, I think that was it's not the devil. I think you guys want to talk about. I had a lot of stuff written down. I thought I did. Oh yeah, my African ancestry thing. Speaking of which, this is gonna be the black ass episode. We'll call this the black ass episode. I uh, I took my ancestry DNA test, and it was um, it's a very interesting experience. I took my ancestry DNA. I took my ancestry DNA. I took my test, and I found out what I was. I'm gonna go to the website right now so I can show you guys. I'm gonna talk about it right now. Cause I feel like it's a very interesting thing. So, for those who don't know, it's a really big thing right now to take these ancestry DNA test and like find out like what you are, find out what your racial makeup is, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Find out how much unblack your ass is, <laughs> or find out how what you are not. So, I bring this up because I took the test. And it was a very interesting experience, you know. Um, I found out my mother had like four or five other brothers and sisters she didn't know she had. I found out that on my father's side, we actually come from Haiti. I found out that um, I found out a lot about my family. I found out that I found this old, um, like old burial sites for my fathers and grandfathers, great great grandfathers, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And, <clears throat> and it was very interesting. So. I'm bringing it up because I, want, I always wanted to have a conversation about this, but I haven't just because I feel like it would bore you guys. But let's talk about it. So let's talk about why I took the test. I took the test because I've always wanted to know what I was. I've always wanted to know exactly where do my ancestors come from? Where do my roots come from? Am I truly black? Or am I a white man in black skin? No, but I've always wanted to be in, I've always been interested in figuring out like the history of who I am as a person. Like who makes me me? Who makes me like this? And so, um, you know, what tribes I come from. So I took the test. And when I took the test, I got connected with a few cousins who took the test. 
I actually got connected with a cousin who took the test and I found out that because she had a genealogist to even discover even more, I found out that we're descended from one of the sons of the first actual king of Haiti. His name was King Christopher, uh, King Henry Christopher, Henry Christopher. It's someone of how one of his sons ran away to New Orleans and that's how we start coming into the picture in New Orleans. I found out and I always knew that, you know, my family was Creole down south. I have, you know, Louisiana Creoles. They speak French, you know, for those who don't know. They're like basically like light-skinned black people who speak French. And I've always known that. I've always been proud of that. But I kind of don't like it because it's like it made me. I, so I guess it kind of goes into what the test did for me. It made me proud to know I was connected to Haiti because I love. I never liked being connected to, I like I never like being connected to for one I'm, I don't look Creole I don't look Louisiana Creole most of the Creoles they look light skin with curly hair and the thing about being Creole like Louisiana Creole is you're basically just being proud of being light skin which I'm not you know it's, it's beautiful nothing wrong with being light skin it's a beautiful thing I just it's not me versus with Haiti it kind of made me think to feel like when I look up pictures of them and I see these people and I'm like Oh my God! These people look like me. They have my hair. They have my height. They have my high ass cheekbones. You know, they have my weird ass voice. Like I can see myself in them. So I kind of feel like a connection kind of thing. Now, even through there, there's a deeper connection. Now, there's a deeper breakdown of bloodline because that's just talking about where so one of my ancestors come from. My ethnicity into estimate when I took it was I found that I was forty two percent Nigerian, twenty one percent Saint. 21% Cameroonian Congo, 11% Benin and Tongo, 8% Mali, 5% Ivory Coast, 4% French, 3% Spaniard, 2% Senegalese, 2% Scottish, 1% Irish, and 1% Swedish. So, which really didn't surprise me because when you take the test, I already, if you're white or black, when you take the test, you're usually going to be like either three or four times of what white people are or four to three times. Of, like if you're black, if you're obviously black, like you're like mock tone. If you take the test, you're usually going to be about three or four, three or four different kinds of African. And then like the majority of you is going to be like three or four different kinds of like three big African countries. And then there's going to be a small percentage of white. It's the same thing with, with white people when they take the test. Usually they're going to be three or four different kinds of whatever, whatever countries white people come from. But anyway, so. After taking the test, I felt it was cool because I got to connect with a lot of my family I didn't know I had. You know, I got to find, like I said, the Haitian thing was a big for me because I've always been fascinated with just the history of Haiti. I've always been fascinated with, like, I've always looked at Haitians as, like, honestly, I look at Haitians. I don't know if you guys are fans of Lord of the Rings because, you know, some of you guys might have been getting pussy in high school and I wasn't for a minute. But I've always looked at Haitians as, like, the Dunadun of, like, Lord of the Rings, like the men of the West Lord of the Rings, like, these these beautiful people who we don't we don't give Haitians credit for what they did in history like the very first free black nation in the West, only free black nation honestly in the western hemisphere that fought for their freedom that fought back against America that fought against the French that fought against the Polish that fought against anybody you know like on some gangster type shit so it really touched me to know that I'm connected to that like I, I really I really on a real level like that really touched my heart bro like, i was like wow like i'm really i'm really one of them you know and it, it just it really touched me um interesting thing i noticed though whenever i would tell african people about how i took the test and i found out 
how much I was African or whatever, whatnot. They usually don't take kindly to that. I'll be honest with you. I've been noticing that. Like, Africans do not take kindly to that. Like, if you tell Africans, I've noticed this about Africans. They do not take kindly to you telling them that you took the AncestryDNA.com test and that you found out your part this and part that. They usually take offense to that. I've been noticing that. Like, they're kind of like, okay, like, what the fuck? You're not. And I understand that because they're looking at it from the perspective of, well, you're not me. You're not this. You're not that. You know, but. Like when I tell Nigerians, when I tell Nigerians, it fascinates me because I, I I know like my blood work is forty two percent Nigerian, so I know I'm I know I'm obviously Igbo, like mostly Igbo. One because one because I'm forty two percent Nigerian, and and two because most Igbos look like me. I ain't gonna lie, like most Igbos just I just look Igbo. So, but I notice that when I tell them that is they're kind of like, um, okay. I mean, hey, you know. And I understand it because they still see themselves as I understand from that perspective, you know. But um, it's interesting. It was an interesting thing. I mean, when you do the whole when you do the whole blood breakdown, it's interesting because there's so many different layers. Like the guy who I told you I'm descended from, who's who was the Haitian king, he actually was from. He was actually He actually is Nigerian. So was sorry was born in Nigeria. So before he got put into slavery so he kind of fits into that nigerian kind of jerry kind of wave thing <laughs> but when you take the test it's interesting i recommend you take the test just to kind of figure out just to kind of learn a little bit more about yourself because it's interesting man it's a very interesting experience um i learned that was four percent spanish i don't know where the fuck that comes from to this day it's interesting though um yeah, that's all I can say about that. I highly encourage you guys to take it. But with that being said, much love, peace, and chicken grease. I shall conclude this podcast. Thank you for being a part of the family. I shall come back with another episode next Friday. I hope you guys have a good one.